I did mention in the prayer time there about the family that uh, lost everything. Uh, this is the uh, Meter family. Um, and I just ask about sizes. He's a large or extra large, size 32 pants and 10 shoes, and she's a size zero. So if you have some things that might be able to help, if not, we'll try to, to uh, bless them. But uh, I know if, if that was one of us, we would want to, uh, we'd, we'd want to be able to respond. So if that's something you'd like to do, just uh, add that to the offering plate and note family uh, with fire or let me know, and, and uh, we're going to do our best to bless them. This morning, I want you to imagine that you are tasked with assisting God in selecting people for a special assignment. So let's go into the corridors of glory, and, and he's asked us, what do you think? Who's the person that I should ask? to do this special assignment. If we were there when he was looking for a deliverer for the nation of Egypt, Israel out of Egypt, we would have probably selected some general that could could rally the troops, but in God's wisdom he selected a little baby in the bulrushes, a little ark. Uh, Moses was his name. God selected him with all his inadequacies such as stuttering. He moved him into Pharaoh's house in the providence of God and gave him leadership capabilities. And even as, as flawed as Moses was, and, and he took matters into his own hand and killed an Egyptian, so a murderer, a stutterer, and yet God chose him to be the deliverer to lead his people out of Egypt. When God wanted to destroy the Midianites, you and I probably would have selected another great general to, to lead this charge. But when we look through the wisdom of God, He's, he's got His eyes on a, on a man named Gideon. He's gathered 32,000 people and God says, that's too many. 22,000 go home. That's still too many. 10,000 go home. God in His wisdom has it narrowed down to 300 faithful men and Gideon. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so the battle plan, I, I guess God, you have found someone who will listen to your voice and obey the specific instructions, even though it seems so unconventional that you take torches and clay jars and put them over the torches and you take horns and, and you're able to go out and surround the Midianites, just 300 men, and, and at the right time, hold the torches high and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. The confusion was sitting into the camp. They turned on each other and they killed each other. And the Lord gave the victory. Gideon says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him for that specific task. We need someone to carry the, the Savior of the world into the world. Who can we find? God says, I want to select this young virgin girl 
Mary, who will do my bidding. The Scripture says the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. She conceived and brought forth our Lord and Savior. The Scripture lesson this morning, there's another time when God was looking for someone, but He couldn't find anybody. The person God could not find is our Scripture lesson this morning. You can find it in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22. God has given this vision to the prophet Ezekiel. And if you want to follow along, I'll begin reading in verse 23 again. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, say to the land, you are a land that has no rain or showers in the day of wrath. There's a conspiracy of her princes within her like a roaring lion tearing its prey. They devour people, take treasures and precious things and make many widows within her. Her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They don't distinguish between the holy and the common. They teach there's no difference between the unclean and the clean. They shut their eyes to the keeping of my Sabbath so that I am profaned among them. Her officials within her are like wolves tearing their prey. They shed blood and kill people to make unjust gain. Her prophets whitewash these deeds for them by false visions and lying divinations. They say this is what the sovereign Lord says when the Lord has not spoken. <laughs> the, land, the people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy and mistreat the alien, denying them justice. I looked for a man. Among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. So I would not have to destroy it. But I found none. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery angry. Bringing down on their own heads all they have done. Declares the sovereign Lord. The person God could not find. On this Independence Weekend, God is looking for some men and some women to stand in the gap for our nation, for our families, for the lost. He is looking for some people that will say, I will sacrifice my life, I will sacrifice my time, I will sacrifice myself for you, God. He's looking for intercessors to cooperate with Him in the greatest freedom mission of all time. We heard a testimony this morning. Hallelujah. I'm delivered. The strongholds are gone. God's freedom work is still going on. But some things are not going to happen unless some of us stand in the gap and intercede between heaven and earth. The sins of Jerusalem were of two types. There's a list all through this chapter. They were talking about shedding blood, injustice towards people. They were talking about making idols or serious unfaithfulness to God. Shedding innocent blood and, and unfaithfulness to God. What is an idol in our life? An idol in my life is anything that takes the place of God. Anything that I put in priority in my life before God. So legitimate things can become idols in our lives. That was one of their sins. They had put unfaithfulness to God. They had idols in their lives. They were shedding innocent blood. 
Ezekiel 14 said, Son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut it off. I will cut off its supply of bread. I'll send famine on it. I'll cut off man and beast from it. God says, if, if this land is going to persist in unfaithfulness, I don't have a choice but to pour out my wrath on it. Time and time again, we saw this. God would send drought to a nation when they turned away from God. When, when you don't have water, when the crops are dying, you get desperate. And oftentimes they would repent and they would come back to God. All these sins that were listed here, the ones we read in this morning were specific to the leaders. They were profaning holy things. They were polluting the things of God. Talking about there's no difference in the clean and the unclean. In our iPod religion, there's this term called whateverism. I'll do, oh well, whatever. Whatever makes you feel good. Whatever you want to do, whatever kind, can I tell you, whateverism will send you straight to hell. We'll send our nation straight to hell. It is not whateverism religion. That won't get, that won't happen. God has specific things that He lines out for our nation, for our families, for our own lives. And the Ezekiel is saying here, somebody needs to stand in the gap. He says, the leaders are saying, this is what the Lord said. And the Lord said, I hadn't said that. <laughs> Woo! That's why I ask you to stay in the Word every week. Make sure what I'm saying from here aligns with the Word of God. I'm human. I can mess up. <laughs> I might get it. I might not say it right. So, so, But there are some things that thus saith the Lord... This is what we need to say. That's what I need to be repeating. This past week, another pastor and I, we sat down with the fourth mayor president candidate for Lafayette. I've sat down with all four of them now. Three ladies, one man. We've sat down. We've talked to them. We've interviewed them. We've, we've let, listened to their hearts. We've shared our hearts. We said, we are partners with you. We told every single one of them, God elevates you to this office. Romans 13, you are a minister of God. We are shepherds on the wall, watchmen on the wall, standing with you. We don't just pastor a flock. We are called to pastor a city, so we stand as stewards with you. And I told this one particular this week, I said, there are times when, when God asks us to do more than just pastor a flock. Sometimes we will have to have a prophetic voice, and we will have to say, Thus saith the Lord. All through Scripture it happens. Ezra and Nehemiah were standing next to the king. Mordecai is talking. He and Esther are talking to the king. This is, this is God's design for us to have a voice and a partnership with him. There are times when God says, Thus saith the Lord, and speak it to the people. We need to be ready for that. But don't, don't add to it. Don't say, Thus saith the Lord, when God has not said something. That's the carefulness with these leaders had gotten out of sync, out of alignment. Said they've used oppression from the top down. There was oppression. There was fraud. There was taking advantage of people. He said they've committed robbery. Makes me think of Malachi. Will a man rob God? What's the difference in thievery and robbery? 
Well, thievery, robbery is thievery, right? I mean, you're taking some of the, but robbery is, is, is basically give me, you know, there's, there's an interaction there. It's more than just taking his stuff. There's a specific action. And, and I have taken it from my brother with the intention to keep it. Typically an act of violence involved there. The leaders were committing robbery. It's pretty, Pretty significant, sad story, isn't it? There's mistreatment of the poor and needy. Can I tell you, all through Scripture, God shows extra concern for the widow, for the orphan, for the stranger. He has their back. And if you and I aren't cooperating with God and serving their needs, then I don't believe we're honoring God. The Israelites should have known that. They, them too, were aliens, were were strangers in a foreign land at one point. state of our church i'm not talking about this specific church but the church in america sometimes we we've we've blurred the lines between what's holy and what's not we've taken advantage of people we've we've spoken for god when god has not spoken or god has not changed his mind and can i tell you god will be faithful he is full of love. He will. He is not slack concerning His promises. He gives every opportunity for a nation, for a people to repent, to come to Him. He is love, but He is just, and He will judge sin. And if He doesn't judge us for our sins, then He'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. He'll have to apologize to, to, the, to the people of Noah's day, where He wiped out... The whole humankind, except for Noah and his family, he's because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know what my fear is? My fear is that we're so wrapped up into our own selves. We're so wrapped up into our own little world that we don't recognize what's really on God's heart. What God is concerned about. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. (laughs) That's truth this morning. The wages of sin is death. But the verse doesn't stop right there. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But don't focus just on part B of that verse. Remember the truth of the first part. The wages of sin is death. Souls are dying. Our nation is sinning against God. I'm look, God says, I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for a woman who will stand in the gap and intercede on behalf of the land. 19, 2012, I was blessed to do ministry in London during the Olympic Games with my brother-in-law. And if I heard it once, I heard it 500 times as we rode the, the tube all around London. When you got down on the underground to ride the metro, to ride the tube, it would say, mind the gap. Mind the gap. There's a space in there between the the platform and the actual car. And stand back from that gap. Mind the gap. There's danger there. He's looking for some people to mind the gap. The figure here in our scriptures of a wall with a section broken down by a siege. If a soldier stands in the gap to hold off the enemy, the city, if no soldier is standing in the gap, then the city will be taken by siege. 
God's upset with his people. He's unable to find anyone who by life or by intercession would turn aside the judgment. And now he's got to pour out his wrath on them. Sin makes a gap in the hedge of protection that's about a people. And I, I, I just was trying to picture this on my mind. If you'll go to the next slide. This, this picture of, of protection. Maybe this is your home. Maybe this is your life. Maybe this is, is the nation. But where that red X is, where there's a gap, where there's a space, that's, that's where the good can run out. That's where the evil and the sin can run in. And that's actually the place where God will deliver judgment. Unless he can find somebody <laughs> to stand in the gap. To intercede. There's a way of standing in the gap and making up the breach against the judgments of God by repentance, by prayer, by reformation. Moses stood in the gap when he made intercession for Israel to turn away the wrath of God. If you want to look at Psalms 103, it says, Therefore he said he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he destroy them. It's a phenomenal story. It's found in Numbers chapter 16. Talks about Korah's rebellion. They're sinning against God. God's ready to consume them. But Moses and Aaron began to intercede for the people. The people kept complaining. God sent his judgment. And sometimes we only see the punishment. We don't see the sin. But and it's easy for us to forget God's grace in moments like this when he pours out his wrath. But Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar. Put incense in it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. And the plague had begun. They were dying by the thousands. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded, ran into the midst of the assembly. And already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the living and the dead. I love that verse. Moses stood between the living and the dead. And so the plague was stopped. Can I tell you this morning, you and I have the privilege of standing between the living and the dead. There's souls that are dying and God is looking for a man. He's looking for a woman who will stand in the gap and say, no more sin, no more devil. You cannot have this territory. I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to intervene until God responds. I'm going to hold off the wrath of God, interceding on behalf of my family, interceding on behalf of my neighborhood, interceding on behalf of my nation. You and I have the privilege and the responsibility to stand between the living and the dead. You see, when God is coming forth against the sinful people, he expects someone to intercede. He expects someone to inquire. He expects someone to delight in him so that he can show mercy. Abraham held off the judgment of Sodom for some time. It's horrible for a people when judgments are breaking in on them. The spirit of prayer is restrained so that no one is found who will either give a good word or speak a good word for them. It's tragic when God cannot find someone to stand between the living and the dead. 
E.M. Bounds said, prayer is the most serious work of our most serious years. I don't know what kind of work you do. But it's not the most important thing you do. (laughs) Prayer is the most serious work of our most serious years. Sometimes our dear saints, they say, all I can do is pray. I say, glory, hallelujah. May God increase your time. (laughs) Because that is exactly what we need. We need someone standing in the gap, intervening between heaven and hell, and saying, God, do not... Pour out your wrath yet. Hold off a little bit longer until my family can be saved. Aren't you glad somebody stood in the gap for you? Aren't you glad somebody interceded for you? Stand in the gap not with arms but with prayer and fasting and repentance. Charles Finney was a great evangelist. But Finney said, I would have been nothing without Daniel Nash. Who was Daniel Nash? Daniel Nash was his intercessor. Daniel Nash would go into the city two or three weeks in advance. And he would begin to just bombard heaven. It was just like going in on a strategic military maneuver and and softening up the, the enemy's forces. That's what Nash would do. He'd go in the bottom of the church. Most churches had basements. He called it the boiler room. And he would go in there and hardly take food. He would go in there for hours and days on end bombarding heaven, interceding. And so the salvations, the conversions that would happen under the ministry of Charles Finney were a direct correlation with the prayer, emphasis, and intercession of Daniel Nash. What's the application for us? If I could challenge you in some way, somehow, some way this morning, Matthew 6, when you enter into your prayer closet, If you could take a list, if you could take this list, if you could take the list of your family, if you could take it into your prayer closet and individually stand in the gap and intercede at the very point where God is is attacking or the enemy is attacking your family and, and destroying things. If you and I can stand in those gaps and say, God, you must do something, we'll see more, even more answers to prayer than we have already seen. It's not for the faint of heart. Prayer is the most serious work of our most serious years. Corporate times of prayers. I, God is stirring on my heart. We've got to have more corporate times. And we're going to finish the book of Romans. But then we're going to, we're going to shift a little bit in, in, into more corporate times of praying for prodigals and interceding. My house shall be called a house of prayer. This ministry, you're here today because a lady by the name of Winona Duhon, when there was nobody, there was not an Nazarene church in this parish, she was calling out to God. She was standing in the gap. She was minding the gap. She was saying, God, please bring the church of the Nazarene back to Lafayette Parish. And we are here today in direct answer to Miss Winona's prayers. Second Chronicles 7.14, you know this passage. If my people who are called by my name. Who's he talking to? His people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Pray, pray, 
pray, seek my panim, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. My people, God's people, yes, humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. It's conditional on you and I as the church getting our hearts right before God. Then I'll hear from heaven. Forgive their sin and will heal their land. And that goes to economics. That goes to all kinds of, of healings for the land. God wants to do more than you, can, you and I can dare dream, ask, or imagine. But it's conditional on us standing in the gap and us humbling ourselves and praying. He told them a parable. He was talking to his disciples in Luke 18. He told them they ought to always to pray and not lose heart. Anybody ever been tempted to lose heart? You don't see the answers to prayer. You don't see the prodigal coming back. Jesus' word to you in Luke 18, 1, you ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Ian Bounds says this about prayer. Prayer concerns God whose purposes and plans are conditioned on prayer. His will and His glory are bound up in praying. When the church is in the condition of prayer, God's cause always flourishes. And His kingdom on earth always triumphs. When the church fails to pray, God causes, God's cause decays and evil of every kind prevails. God forgive me. God forgive us for not, not praying enough. We get so wrapped up in our own little world. I, maybe if I'm not preaching for you, I'm preaching for me. God forgive me. We get so caught up in our own little world when God's got a whole plan and purposes and He's looking for a man. He's looking for, He's looking for another Gideon. He's looking for another Mary. He's looking for another Moses that'll stand in the gap. Can I find them? I've been convicted in praying over my own neighborhood. I heard of a plan even this week, and as I learn more about it, perhaps I'll t- it's, it's all American, and they're asking each Christian family to adopt their neighborhood, to adopt ten homes. And that's actually who I've been praying for. So I printed out on Google Map my neighborhood, my house, and the ten homes around it, and got my neighbors' names listed on it. Could you do something similar? Can you imagine? And apparently there's an app coming out to where they, every home that's being prayed for can be identified. Every school being adopted, prayed for. Billy Graham used to feel the crusade. God may want to do it a different way. Maybe he wants me praying for ten homes in my neighborhood. You praying for ten homes in your neighborhood. We could impact a lot more people than we're currently impact if you and I would get serious about standing in the gap and calling out their names, our neighbors, some who are lost, calling out their names before God. Are you with me this morning? Feel frustrated about every kind of evil in our country? Can I call you back to prayer today? Maybe it's James. Maybe we have not because we ask not. There's no greater motivation for prayer than, than that Jesus Himself lived a lifestyle of prayer. He gave us an example that we should follow in His steps. You know how He did it? Rising very early in the morning. He went out into a desolate place and there He prayed. 
When Jesus had been baptized, he was praying. The heavens were open, Luke 3. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray, Luke 5. One night, he continued all night in prayer. When's the last time we spent all night calling out to God? Standing in the gap. I looked for a man. I looked for a woman. I looked for a person. But I couldn't find anybody. Dr. Henry Blackaby says this. At this critical time in history, we don't simply need more prayer. We need specifically the kind of praying exemplified in the life of Christ. God desires a praying people and a people who will pray in union with Christ who intercedes from heaven. God shapes the world through prayer. And when God's house on earth is a house of prayer, then God's throne is busy with plans and interventions in the affairs of earth. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. And the mightier the forces of good will be against evil everywhere. Don't you want to be a part of God's incredible plan and purposes? My house will be called a house of prayer. He's looking for some men and women who will stand in the gap and, and pray. Why stand in the gap? I'm going to give you six things real, real quickly as I'm closing. God commands it. He says when you pray. He doesn't say if you pray. He says when you pray. When you go into your closet. When you pray. Pray like this. He gives us a model prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. So he is expecting us to pray. It's not optional. When you pray. Number two. Circumstances require it. You know of any circumstances that require prayer? God's not. I mean there just doesn't seem anything changing. It was happening in the, in, in the early church. James was killed. Peter was thrown into prison. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Isn't that awesome? That's our heritage. That's the first church. That's the first fellowship of believers. They were earnest in prayer for the circumstances to change. And guess what? The circumstances changed. Circumstances required. Number three, the times demanded. Ephesians 6.18 Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. I don't have to remind you that these are days of difficulty. These are days of deception. These are days of a lot of dangers on every hand. You and I need to be watchmen on the wall. Need to stand in the gap and say, evil no more. Not in my home. Not in my neighborhood. Not in my community. Not in my nation. Number four, spiritual warfare necessitates it. God's kingdom is always vigorously opposed. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not for the wimps. He's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman who will do spiritual warfare. And guess what? You don't have to fight the battle alone. He's just looking for a vessel he can work with. He can flow through. He can use. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. The Spirit of the Lord can come on Nick. The Spirit of the Lord can come on Lee. Can come on Cindy. Can come on Marvin. Can come on me. Prayer is the primary way God's kingdom advances. Number five, destiny is determined by it. 
You remember Jabez and his prayer? Oh, that you would enlarge my territory. His whole destiny was changed because he prayed. I got so thrilled at camp meeting this week. I saw my three children praying around this white altar on the right side. And I just it just did my heart well. And I remembered it's not the place where I got my call to preach. But one time I was really struggling about am I called to preach? And God just kind of confirmed it right there in that spot, in that altar. And then I got to thinking about my mom and dad sitting in that tabernacle and their mom and dad. And I got to thinking about the faithfulness of God as Dr. T.M. Anderson would have been pacing back and forth in front of that tabernacle. We sang about holy ground. It was holy ground. I thank God for three and four and five generations of faithfulness to God. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But then I thought about young young Adam in my in my dorm, and, and he's a first generation Christian. And I thought, thank you, God. There's another young man that's beginning a generation. He is beginning to follow you. He's hearing the voice of God, and generations can follow you because of his obedience. Destiny can be changed because you and I pray. Do you believe that this morning? Number six, nations can be preserved through it. God promised to preserve his people in their land through prayer. God preserved Judah through Jehoshaphat's prayer. Jehoshaphat said, I don't either know we what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And God gave the victory. I close with this illustration. I've shared it with you before. John High was a missionary to India. The first year, there was no converts. He got so frustrated. He said, God, give me converts or I die. He began to get this burden for the lost. And he had this formula. Of he, would, he, would, he would pray and then he would praise God. 1908. He asked God for one soul a day. He said, give me one soul a day. So he'd pray during the night. God would give him a name. He'd go after that name. He'd lead him to the Lord. First year, 365 days, but 400 converts in that next year. He kept praying, praying all night. Can you imagine praying all night in prayer until God gives you a name and then you go after that name? He, he was refreshed. He didn't sleep all night. He's praying all night, but the next morning he was refreshed and he'd go out and he would minister and he would evangelize. Year two, two souls a day, 800 converts. Year three, four souls a day. John Hyde, they called him Praying Hyde, had a huge influence over India, over America, and over England. What if John Hyde had said, well, I guess I, I just, I'm going to give up. There's no converts. I'm just going to, I'm just going to give up. Would he, would it, what if he had not stood in the gap and persevered in the place of prayer. I looked for a man, God said, and he found a John Hyde. God says, I'm looking for some men. I'm looking for some women. I'm looking for some people who will stand in the gap for their family. I need some people who will stand in the gap for their neighborhood. I need some people who will stand and call out to God for, for this state, for this nation. Is there anybody at New Bell Church that I can count on. I want you to stand with me this morning. We're going to close this time in time of prayer. We're going to have some music. and I would love for you just to respond to what the Spirit of God is saying. We're going to just have a closing time of prayer. You can pray standing where you are, but I believe God would be honored if some of you would come and just even reverently kneel or stand here at the front 
and say, God, you can count on me. And even the names or the community that he's putting on your heart right now, maybe it's the prodigals. Can you just respond in obedience and say, God, you can count on me. You can count on me as they play and sing. Come and let's pray together this morning. Almighty God, we stand here today in faith believing that You are here. That You have released a burden of prayer and intercession on our hearts this morning, God. I'm confident that You are already dealing with some hearts about this very subject this morning. Even before I've had the the thought from You to preach this message this morning, God, You've been stirring in our hearts Lord, some of us, we've just been praying and we've gotten complacent. We've gotten a little apathetic over our families, God. Lord, we've just gotten used to the things are the way they are. But today, God, we are re-enlisting. We are recommitting to the battle. We're re-enlisting to the fight, God. We will stand in the gap. We will intercede. We will pray. We will ask you, O God, for conviction of sin, for conviction of righteousness, for conviction on their hearts, God. We can't save anybody, but in participation with you, God, we can ask that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God. We can ask that that the obstacles come down in their lives. We can partner with you in pleading the blood of Jesus over these prodigals, God, over these families, God. Lord, bless our dads, God. Help us as we stand in the gap, God. Lord, we have a huge responsibility. The most serious work we can do is to pray, is to intercede. And so don't let us be casual about it, God. I pray for, God, the strategic initiatives of God as if we were going to go after a foreign country and we would be enlisted to strategize. Lord, let us go to the prayer room. Let us go to the war room. God, I pray that over this pastor, give me a new burden. Give me a new heart for the lost, God. You will give us the strategies to reach the lost. You will give us the strategies to reach the broken the broken hearted. You want to set the captives free, God. And so use me. Use us, oh God. I pray over Cypress Crossing. I pray over the ten houses.
houses closest to mine, God. I'm believing you to work in my neighbor's lives. I'm beginning to work in my former neighbor's lives, God. I'm believing you for their salvation, God. I'm believing that you will do great and mighty things. I'm a missionary to Cypress Crossing. I'm a missionary to Louisiana. I'm a missionary to Acadiana. God, I pray for our leaders today. You tell us in Second Timothy to pray for all who are in authority, for kings and those, Lord, that we might live a quiet and peaceable life, God. So bless our mayor president, Scott. Bless our governor. Bless our president. Bless those that are in authority over us, oh God. I pray that they would hear your voice, God, and that they would have the courage to obey you. As we're interceding for our nation this morning, God, we're praying for pastors, oh God, as you rebuke the, the prophets, as you rebuke the, the leaders of the religious world in Ezekiel 22. God, forgive the pulpits of America for going quiet. Forgive the pulpits of America for not proclaiming the truth, God. For, forgive the pulpits of America for saying, Thus saith the Lord, when you haven't said it, God. So we ask for mercy this morning. We ask for grace. All over this nation, people are hearing the call to fall on their knees in repentance and begging for your mercy and your grace grace, God. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus this morning over our nation from sea to shining sea, from Washington to Florida, from California to Maine, God. Let a spirit of revival break out, God. Give us a new burden for the lost. Get a spirit of intercession on this church, God. A spirit of evangelism on this church, God. That we won't be satisfied with the way things are, but you send us forth, O oh God, to to change the world, to change the environment, to change the atmosphere, O oh God. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us, O oh God. God, shed Your grace on our families, God. I know these mothers are praying. I know these families are praying. There's prodigal sons. There's prodigal daughters on this board. There's cousins. There's nephews. There's nieces. And God, we're believing You for breakthrough, O oh God. I come in agreement with every... Every intercessor, God, that's here this morning, calling out for their family, God. Lord, we pray today, God, before it's too late, may they come into the ark of safety. May they know you as their Lord and Savior. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But you have come that we might have life and we might have it to the full. And so we plead the blood today over every lost child that is represented, every lost neighbor that is represented, every lost co-worker that is represented. Oh, God, in this wicked, perverse, crooked generation, God, as Philippians 2 says, you are sending us forth as lights. Let us shine as lights this week. God, as the fireworks go off, I pray the glory of God would go off in our life, oh God. That men and women, boys and girls would say, I need the peace of God. I need what He has. I need what she has. Oh God, make it so in our lives. Set our hearts on fire for You today. God, I believe You can, you can count us in this morning. Ezekiel saw the person you could not find. But we're here to say, to declare, here am I, Lord. Here am I. You can count on me. I'll stand in the gap. I'll pray. God, I just pray a special prayer, a blessing over every person that is here. 
God, that you'd help us to pray. When you wake us up at night, you'd help us to pray. God, when we don't feel like it, help us to pray. God, when we don't want to, help us to pray. God, I pray against any anxiety, any depression. God, we're going to persevere in the place of prayer for our families, for our neighborhoods, for our communities, for this nation. We believe you will hear and answer prayer. We ask you for the nations today, O oh God. Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. So we ask you for the nations. God, we ask you over at Katyana. God, rebuke the enemy. This is your land. Every square inch of this parish is yours, God. We claim it for the kingdom of God. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. I believe God's been here this morning. I believe God's heard and I believe He will answer prayer. Shake hands with your neighbor and go in His peace. Go in faith believing. Stand in the gap.